Seems like I'm always the one dominating the conversation at the beginning of these episodes. Yes. Please tell me you have something to talk about. <laughs> I do. All right. I was listening through music and there were a couple of songs that kind of gave me really eerie vibes. And I was thinking, this sounds like a song for like serial killers. And I was curious if there are any songs that give you those vibes. <laughs> So I'm curious if any of them are the same or if we'd agree on them. Well, uh, <laughs> never thought about that. Well, maybe I watched too many crime documentaries and movies. So you have specific songs that you want to mention or? I have a specific person that their song is going to give those vibes, but I don't want to like throw them under the bus. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I don't know if you know any of the songs. From Tiny Tim. Oh, the Tiny Tim tipping through the tulips? Yes. <laughs> Surprised you even know him. <laughs> I heard that song and then I like checked out any of his other songs and not all of them give those vibes, but quite a few. And I don't know if that's like the intention. <laughs> oh man, I never thought about that, but yes, I could definitely see that. <laughs> I was thinking like classical or opera. Oh yeah, I can see that. But yeah, Tiny Tim never crossed my mind. I honestly forgot about him. Oh, well, that's sad. <laughs> well, it's been a long time. Again, like I said, I'm amazed that you even know who he is. Yeah, I, honestly, I think I know because I probably have heard his songs in a horror movie or show. So let me get this straight. You said you were listening to music and you were listening to Tiny Tim songs. <laughs> <laughs> I was just scrolling and like looking for different music to listen to. And I just came across it. And that came up? Yeah. I went into a deep rabbit hole of music. Wow. That's bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> and I think also nursery rhymes that are slowed down. Yeah, you definitely see that. Classic horror movie ploy, right? That's like the ring around the rosy. Any song, if you have a kid, sing it. Ugh. No, 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 no. <laughs> I will pass on that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that that's a trend you can start out on social media. Yeah. Trying to make any song creepy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you could make it creepy by yeah. a kid singing it. Yeah, no doubt. That would be funny, though. I'd like to see that. Hear that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's going to be our new social media trend. Yeah. Get people to get their little kids to sing current songs and make them sound creepy yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh all right well that was interesting never thought about that before of course i don't spend a lot of time thinking about serial killers as much as <laughs> other people do so <laughs> i don't either i just get weird vibes from certain songs yeah yeah no i get it <laughs> <laughs> what do you have tonight i am going to be talking about the horrific murder of grace Mullane. A murder that was after a Tinder date. What's Tinder? A dating app. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. The one I stray away from. I've heard of it. Yeah. 
your you mom's had, your mom's listening. Yeah, I was gonna say you had to clarify <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> that. You just heard it. <laughs> Never been on there. Never been on there. Just okay. heard about it. Okay, which way do you swipe if you want to accept? Well, that's a general concept, right? I mean, Tinder came up with that, but I know it's pretty common. So yeah. it's accept right, reject left, up maybe. No, <laughs> there's no up. <laughs> down definitely. I don't know. Definitely. <laughs> You like swipe down and you're like stuck with them. (laughs) You can't go back. Anyway, sorry. Derailed your conversation as usual. No, you're good. We're educating people what Tinder is. (laughs) (laughs) So 21-year-old Grace Mullane was from Wickford, Essex. She had recently graduated from the University of Lincoln in September 2018 with a bachelor's degree in advertising and marketing. She decided to go on a backpacking tour during her gap year. Grace was on a two-week stay in New Zealand after spending a few weeks in South America. She arrived to New Zealand on November 20th, 2018, and traveled around and arrived in Auckland on the 30th. She was seen in Victoria Street, that's in Auckland's central business district, on December 1st at 9 p.m., and seen via CCTV 15 minutes later at Sky City and was last seen at 9.41 p.m. at the City Life Hotel on Queen Street, with a man. Grace's parents began to express concern after she hadn't replied to the birthday wishes they sent her on December 2nd, 2018. They reported her missing, stating it was completely out of character, but police didn't start an investigation until three days later after her parents reported her missing. The hotel where Grace was staying had reported that she never went back to her room on the night of her disappearance. Initially, police claimed that there was no evidence of foul play then later gathered evidence that she may no longer be alive. On December 8th, the police started treating the case as a homicide investigation. Grace's body was found on December 9th around 4 p.m. in a suitcase west of central Auckland. A post-mortem exam was done on the 10th. CCTV footage showed her going into a hotel with a man who was later identified as 28-year-old Jesse Kempson. The two were on a Tinder date and were spotted kissing at the Bluestone Room Bar in Auckland. They walked arm-in-arm into the lobby of the hotel where he was living. Before I continue further in the story, I do want to warn that, like usual, there is sensitive topics in here. So if it's something that will bother you, please step away, maybe. Not you. Again. (laughs) I kind of figured since we were talking about Tinder. Yeah. But I just want to give a fair warning because... It was hard to research, so it might be hard to listen to. Yeah. Jesse's lawyers tried arguing that she had died from rough sex after consensual choking went wrong. The trial proved that Grace's death was in fact intentional and prolonged. It was found that she would have recovered if the pressure on her neck was released within the 5 to 10 minutes it had taken her to die. Jesse had an elaborate story of lies when he was contacted by police and claimed that he and Grace parted as friends, but had plans to meet the next day. CCTV footage showed him buying the suitcase, so of course he changed his story by saying that Grace had told him that she learned BDSM games with a former boyfriend and asked him to choke her during intercourse. The jury found out about Jesse's history of exaggerated stories and his habits of lying. Prosecution described he had taken intimate pictures of Grace after he killed her, viewed porn while she was dead in the room, and searched things like rigor mortis. 
Well, that's uh, disgusting and bizarre and kind of puts any doubt in his story about an accidental. Yeah, especially like the search history and stuff. Well, and the photos and stuff. How sick can you be? Yeah, that's... During the initial appearance, Jesse was denied name suppression, but this was appealed by the defense, automatically triggering temporary name suppression for a period of 20 working days. The suppression order could not be enforced against media outlets outside New Zealand, so several outlets, particularly in the United Kingdom, chose to publish Jesse's name. Google included his name in an email it sent to subscribers of its newsletters on trending topics in New Zealand, which claimed that 100,000 searches had been done of the name within the country. The New Zealand Bar Association criticized the media, saying that the publication of his name endangered his right to a fair trial. I say bullshit. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. Jesse was placed in custody and appeared in the Auckland High Court on January 16, 2019, where he pleaded not guilty. His identity remained suppressed pending an appeal. The appeal was heard on February 7th. In February 2020, an Auckland businessman, Leo Malloy, was prosecuted for a breach of the suppression. After initially entering a plea of not guilty, Malloy changed his plea to guilty in June 2020. In April 2021, he was sentenced to 350 hours of community service and a $15,000 fine. In May of 2021, Malloy announced his intention to appeal his conviction and sentence. So all because he said his name, which I don't know why they were trying so hard to hide his identity. Yeah, especially after it had gotten out already. Yeah. Anyway. Jesse was formally identified on December 22, 2020, after the Supreme Court of New Zealand rejected his appeal for continued name suppression. It was also disclosed that he had been convicted of nine total charges of rape, sexual violence, threatening to kill, and assault in two sexual violence trials before a judge in October and November 2020 that were independent of the Grace Mullane case. Wow. The trial began on November 4, 2019, with a selection of jury. Jesse reaffirmed his earlier not guilty plea with proceedings expected to last five weeks. The prosecution that was led by Crown solicitor Brian Dickey argued that Jesse had strangled Grace to death following their Tinder date. The Crown also testified that after killing her, Jesse conducted several internet searches on how to dispose of bodies. You would think these days people would be smart enough to know that their search history is not private. Exactly. <laughs> Like you can clear it all you want, but... Yeah, it's not going away. Yeah. It's like when you post something on social media, you can delete it, but it's yeah. still going to be there. Always going to be there. It was also said that Jesse calmly and insensitively disposed of Grace's body and other evidence. Three female witnesses, whom Jesse had also met through Tinder, testified that he had sexual gratification from pain. The Crown also presented security camera footage of Jesse and Grace, including him renting a carpet cleaning machine at the Countdown supermarket in Kauai Street. An expert witness, pathologist Simon Staples, testified that a postmortem examination of Grace's body found bruising consistent with someone who had been restraining and asphyxiated. Grace's postmortem blood alcohol concentration was measured at 106 milligrams of alcohol per 100 milliliters of blood over the legal driving limit of 50 milligrams per 100 milliliters. So she was considered intoxicated? Yes. The defense team, led by Ian Brookie, argued that Grace's death was a result of a consensual sexual misadventure between the two. 
While acknowledging that Jesse tried to hide and bury the victim's body, they argued that he had panicked. The defense's expert witness pathologist, Vintan Garavan, challenged the Crown's autopsy evidence, claiming that her injuries were consistent with a consensual sex act due to the lack of defense wounds on Grace's body. Garavan also said that the victim's alcohol consumption could have contributed to her death. Do you think if a death occurs accidentally, but then the person tries to hide it, do you think they're just as guilty of the death as if they would have intentionally committed the murder? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of odd that you're going out of your way to hide a body if it was an accident. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it shouldn't be, well, it was an accident and I just tried to hide the body so I shouldn't get as big of a punishment. Yeah. I think it should be all the same. Well, because the murder may not have been premeditated, but going through the process of hiding and covering it up is premeditated. Right. No, 100%. Like, yeah. I don't know why with accidents, people just don't fess up because you're going to get less time for that than going out of your way and hiding. I'm guessing most of them are not accidents. Well, yeah. Right. But yeah, why somebody would try to cover up an accident, like you said, making more trouble for themselves. And also, it's just, again, they're victim blaming. Yeah, that in and of itself is horrible. Either way, it's horrible victim blaming. But the fact that she had passed and they're basically blaming a dead person for their death right. is disgusting. It's even more heartbreaking that it's a lawyer doing it yeah. and like expert witnesses. I don't know. It's just disgusting. Yes. Well, as we've seen, there are a lot of disgusting people in the world. That's true. Does it make it any less shocking? No. Agreed. The trial lasted three weeks. The jury, which consisted of seven women and five men, returned a verdict of guilty on November 22, 2019, after deliberating for five hours. Several members of the jury reportedly wept following the verdict. In New Zealand, murder carries a mandatory sentence of life imprisonment with a minimum non-parole period of 10 years. Judges have discretion to order a longer non-parole period. On February 21, 2020, Jesse was sentenced to life in prison with a minimum non-parole period of 17 years. On March 18, it was reported that Jesse would appeal his conviction and sentence at the Court of Appeal. The appeal hearing began in Auckland on August 6. On December 18, 2020, the Court of Appeal dismissed the appeal, although the Supreme Court ordered that the name suppression should remain in place until a further court order. That same day, it was reported that taxpayers had paid more than $400,000 in his illegal aid. Yeah, that's another shame, but part of the process. I don't understand why there's any parole options. Especially for murder? Right. Yeah. I don't see how you can really be rehabilitated. No. Or, Or how you could possibly be able to get out in 10 or 17 years. Yeah. On June 29, 2021, the Supreme Court dismissed Jesse's application for leave to appeal the verdict, thereby exhausting his legal avenues to overturn his conviction. So he has no more options? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty incredible because it seems like here that can go on for years. Well, it was 2018. and No, I know, but here you could be like 20 years later, people are still appealing their cases. That's true. I did also read that New Zealand did have an apology for her parents, 
saying that she should have been safe in their care. In the country's care? Yeah. But I feel like it's one of those things that was out of their control. Seen a little bit about New Zealand. Seems like a beautiful place. Yeah. I'd love to go there, but I never really paid attention to what the crime rate is there. Every place has crime, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you can't get away from that. I think meeting anyone on social media or like a dating app, you got to be careful. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people with bad intentions out there. But yeah, that was it. Well, that was sad. Yeah. I do want to mention, because I thought it was really weird, when I was out yesterday and I was at a stoplight, there was a man walking up to the crosswalk with a giant suitcase. Oh. And, you know, being a part of a true crime paranormal podcast, you automatically think the worst. But it's weird because I don't think there were any hotels nearby, and I don't think yeah, the, I think the airport be, was definitely nowhere near. <laughs> I think I'd be a little suspicious if somebody's randomly walking around with a giant suitcase. Yeah, it was really weird. I was, I was like, um, yeah, I don't know about that. You should do that story of can't remember her name from Arizona. This was back in like the twenties or something, twenties or thirties, where she killed one of her friends or two of her friends. Oh my and gosh packed him up in uh one of those big traveling trunks trunks yeah and then took the train to la to try to dump him in the ocean or something that's crazy but she got busted because the trunk was leaking Ew. <laughs> yeah i remember you bringing that up and then i forgot about it yeah so did i until you mentioned the uh, <laughs> the guy with the suitcase yeah uh-huh. that's horrible so what is your episode <laughs> my episode? Your episode? My entire episode. What is... So... What, <laughs> why did you do that? What? So, what is your story for this week? A few weeks back, we were talking about reincarnation. Yeah. And how Dr. Ian Stevenson from the University of Virginia had taken a combination lock... That you can set your own combination. Yeah. And he created a letter to number key. So the first letter of each word in a five-word phrase mapped to a number in the combination. Then he placed it in a filing cabinet in his department and told everyone that after he died, he would try to get the combination to someone or the message to someone somehow. Yeah. Right. The last I had read, nobody had gotten the message yet. I wanted to go back to that because at the time I didn't go into the fact that Dr. Stevenson wasn't the first person to come up with that idea. Yeah. Houdini actually planned something similar with his wife. And he may not have even been the first one. I didn't really dig into that, but I'm sure he's probably the most famous. Yeah. I talked about a while ago in the Patience Worth episode. That's going way back. Revisiting old episodes. (laughs) about how the age of spiritualism was at its height around the early 1900s. Yeah. Houdini's interest in spiritualism started out of curiosity. He had a desire to try and contact his mother after her death, but he also suspected that the connection to the spirit world was based on trickery. So he began to spend a lot of his time traveling around to uncover the frauds, Hmm. psychics and mediums. So he was trying to ruin the fun. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, just these people who are taking advantage of other people by taking their money and then conning them into thinking that they had gotten messages from the spirit world. 
That's true. You know, kind of like the psychic you ran into at the crystal shop. I was thinking that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this sounds familiar. Sorry to bother you, but I'm getting a message. Uh, If you give me $50, I'd be more than happy to tell you what the spirits are trying to tell you. Well, it was like, oh, yeah, it could be a good message. And then when I said I wouldn't pay, she's like, oh, I'm just feeling a lot of negativity, like mental (laughs) illness. And I was like, yeah, because I am good with my money. Oh, the the mental illness came after you declined paying? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. It was a bizarre situation. And then when she walks away, we go like our separate ways. I turn around to make sure she's not doing it to anyone else. And she's gone. Like, disappeared. She disappeared? Oh, my God. She was. I think she bolted out of there. (laughs) (laughs) My mental illness was too scary for her. Oh, my gosh. Where was I? In an interview with the Los Angeles Times, Houdini said, quote, it takes a flim flammer to catch a flim flammer. What the Unqu- hell is that? <laughs> That's 1920s speak. Wait, the LA Times existed? Yes. Wow. They did actually have print back then. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, but I don't know. They, I didn't think they were that old. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> Interestingly. Interestingly. Interesting. (laughs) Another interesting thing. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get around any word. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Another interesting thing was Houdini became friends with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who is, if you don't know, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Doyle was a big believer in spiritualism and became a high-profile proponent of the movement. He was convinced he had communicated with his dead son, although his son's death did not prompt his interest in spiritualism, his son dying in 1918, but his interest was said to have started back in 1916. Doyle's wife arranged a seance telling Houdini she could contact his mother. During the seance, Lady Doyle produced automatic writing, which she said was a message from Houdini's mother. But after the seance, Houdini immediately called bullshit because his mother could not speak or write in English. Oh. That was interesting. That was my reaction. But I was thinking, would it be so unbelievable that somebody in the afterlife would not be limited by the language that they knew in life? I guess not. Do you think it's like you're up there learning a different language or it's just automatically just, to no. you? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. <laughs> I don't think you're taking. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go to heaven and take French lessons. <laughs> French lessons. <laughs> no, I don't think that's happening. The seance is where the spirit takes over the person's body to communicate, right? Yeah, for the most part. I don't know if that's 100%. Well, because I was just wondering that maybe they write the language of the person that they take over. But yeah. Weren't there people that have done stuff like that and they're like writing languages that they don't understand? Yeah. If they're communicating with you at a different level. Yeah. And you're just translating it somehow. Yeah. Anyway, don't want to get down that rabbit hole. (laughs) After that incident, uh, the relationship between Houdini and Doyle began to fall apart. 
1922, the magazine Scientific American started a contest and offered $5,000 to anyone who could provide proof of ghosts or the afterlife that would hold up to scientific scrutiny. Houdini quickly jumped on the opportunity to take part in identifying frauds. Oh, I was going to say, he literally participated in that when he didn't believe in it? Yeah, because he wants to... Well, I meant as in, I thought you were going to say that he was going to try to prove... No, no, he was he was joining the scientist okay. to try to determine whether the people who were participating yeah. were trying to trick them. Okay, okay. And Houdini participating in this only further escalated his growing feud with Doyle. The contest got off to a slow start with many of the prominent psychics refusing to take part, and the ones who did participate were quickly dismissed as tricksters. It wasn't until a couple of years later, in 1924, that a medium from Boston appeared to be a legit contender for the prize. Mina Crandon did not take money for her seances and seemed to have no motive for being a medium, which is unusual. Yeah. During the investigation, she was given the pseudonym Marjorie because she didn't like publicity, which is unusual again for a psychic. Yeah. And her husband was a respected surgeon. I had read different accounts about how she was uncovered as being a fraud. So I I won't go into all those because, again, that's just a side note to all of this. Uh, Maybe we'll circle back on Houdini's life someday. Yeah. But getting into what I originally wanted to talk about was Houdini had told his wife, Bess, who was also his assistant in his performances. He had told her that if he died before her, he would try to get a message back to her from the spirit world. So they came up with a message only they knew at the time. It's well known now. (laughs) The message was Rosabelle Believe. So Rosabelle was their favorite song that Bess used to sing in her early vaudeville performances. Yeah. And the word believe was actually supposed to be received in a code where a word or word pair was used for each letter. It was a code that they had used during their performances where audiences would think they were just, you know, chit-chatting. Yeah. But they were actually passing messages between them. Like you'll have a mentalist who's blindfolded and then his assistant is getting objects from the audience. Yeah. And he's reading her mind to tell her what she's holding. Yeah. When they're actually, when they're talking in code for her to give him clues to what she's actually holding. Oh, that ruins magic for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole basis of magic. (laughs) That's crazy. How do you like do code like that? Because I'm assuming it has to be individual code for each item they they had a like code for letters and stuff i don't know i imagine they have some really elaborate system that's crazy that they practiced but based on that code the word believe was supposed to be received as the words answer tell pray answer look tell answer answer tell houdini died on halloween 1926 which is weird yeah Bess held a seance every Halloween after his death and continued to offer a $10,000 reward for anyone who could deliver the message. Wow. She held the last seance on the 10th anniversary of his death, finally deciding it was time to give up. The seance took place on the roof of Milwaukee's Knickerbocker Hotel. (laughs) 
and was broadcast live on radio, of course. Uh, YouTube was not invented yet. I was going to say. <laughs> Although she never held another seance, seances are still held all around the world today on Halloween in an attempt to make contact with Houdini. Hmm. So far, no luck. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. I figured. Interestingly, stepping back a little bit to 1929, a pastor named Arthur Ford claimed to have received the message and Bess even issued a statement stating that Ford had indeed delivered the agreed upon message. Oh. But she quickly recanted after a controversy erupted. I had read a bunch of different stories about what happened. Yeah. One that claimed that she recanted so she wouldn't have to pay the $10,000. So that leaves it open to believe that, you know, she actually did get the message. She just didn't want anybody to know about it. Yeah. Another was that the secret message had leaked before Ford came forward. So he had found out about it and then he came and told her. Well, how did it get leaked if it was just her and him? Yeah, I'd read something about there were some diaries or journals or something from her past with Houdini that she had shared with somebody. But I don't know, it was all kind of, like I said, just a lot of different theories of what happened. Yeah. It's like, why would you have that written down somewhere? Another was that her and Ford were in on it together as a money-making opportunity for them to go on tour and that she had backed out when the press started poking holes in the story. Yeah. So who knows what happened, you know. That's the problem with getting a message back the way Houdini and Stevenson planned. It, It seems like there's always room for doubt. Yeah. Houdini could have told somebody to then go to her and it could have been one last trick to him right (laughs) or it could have been a comfort thing to her yeah to her getting a message yeah oh yeah same message yeah he's not tricking her he's he's asking somebody to go give her the message and let her believe that he actually passed it along yeah 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 anyway i have in my possession oh my god (laughs) a combination lock (laughs) i saw that on your desk i was wondering what that was (laughs) what it was for Now, this one has five tumblers, but they have letters on them instead of numbers. Okay. So there's no need for the whole um, letter number key thing. Yeah. It can do four or five letter words because the last tumbler has a blank on it. Yeah. So my question is, is a word sufficient or should it be a phrase where the first letter is one of the tumblers? I feel like it'd be more interesting if it's like, and more challenging if it was the first letter of each word in the phrase. More challenging for me to remember it. <laughs> so I don't want to write it down anywhere. Yeah. Right? Because that'll, that'll taint the experiment. Well, first of all, do you have something to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, why are you always thinking so cynical? Um, well, you would, I would either get a message to you of the phrase yeah. or just a word. Oh, okay. I'm just asking, do you want to know whether you're waiting for a message that is a single word or a phrase or... I think surprise. <laughs> All right. I want to come up with something like my message will be, I can't remember the combination. <laughs> <laughs> you would have that. <laughs> I actually think we should try to do some type of thought transference to somebody, anyone, before I die. That way, I can be around to see if it works. Because the other way, 
well, I'll know on the other side, but <laughs> just doesn't seem to be the same. Yeah. So like telepathy. Yeah. Telepathy or can you transfer something into somebody's dream, oh, a yeah. message or something? Because I was thinking you have a person has one shot at it, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not getting a ton of messages back from the other side. I was thinking about, you know, what options do you have to get the message back? And what are the odds of you being successful? Yeah. Like in Stevenson's case, he was focused on reincarnation because that was his field of study. Yeah. But as we learn, reincarnation might not be rare, but remembering past lives is. Yeah. And the window of remembering is usually extremely small. We had talked about how the memories occur between the ages of two and six and usually fade by the age of eight. Yeah. At such a young age, a child is dependent on having an adult that will listen to them. Which, how often does that happen? What? No. <laughs> <laughs> and most reincarnatees only remember pieces of their past. So they might not even remember the message. So reincarnation sounds like the odds are as good as winning the lottery. Yeah. Then, if you think about it, if you are reincarnated and you're not able to get the message through, well, you're no longer in the spirit world, so you no longer have any more opportunities to pass the message along. That's crazy. Yeah. I guess you could come back as a ghost if you could do that and try to pass the message along. <laughs> yeah. Right? You're like spending your ghost life trying to give people messages. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody, you, you appear and everybody's screaming. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to give them a message. Would you be quiet for a minute? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, visit somebody in a dream. That makes that, sense. That would be an option, right? Problem with that is, you know, how many of our dreams do we actually remember? That's true. And have you ever woken up in the middle of the night after a dream and like, oh, wow, I got to remember that. And then you fall back asleep and in the morning you don't remember what it was. Yeah. <laughs> that would suck. I'm oh. also, I'm just bad at writing down my dreams. Like a lot of people write down their dreams as soon as they wake up. Yeah. But I just, I never do that. Yeah, I don't either. It's like finding something to write, write on. Well, you your phone. Finding my phone. <laughs> <laughs> when I wake up. Well, Have plus, you ever seen me typing on a phone? No. <laughs> well, plus I feel like, especially if you wake up in the middle of the night with a dream, you have less chances of being able to fall back to sleep if you're writing your dream out. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I want my sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I don't like having a dream journal because seeing Shark Boy and Lava Girl. <laughs> am I the only one that remembers this movie? I always bring up this movie and people look at me like I'm crazy. I remember you brought this up before. I was trying to bring it back up in my memory bank here. <laughs> shark bait. Shark I bait. Mean, <laughs> shark boy and lava girl. What was that? So shark boy and lava girl were in this kid's dream and he kept a dream journal, but then he ended up going into his dream world in real life. I don't know how to explain it. I think that sounds like a dream that you had. I swear it's a movie. <laughs> I'll look it up. I don't believe you, but... I feel like I've seen it, like, so many times. <laughs> Never heard of it. Well, except for the last time you mentioned it. Yeah. And then I forgot about it. Well, it's like that movie and Spy Kids, people get me weird. No, I don't understand how people have never seen Spy Kids. Because I always bring up, like, the thumb people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then I bring up the where they have like the packets of food. They put it in the microwave, and then it's like oh, a yeah. whole course meal. <laughs> the McDonald's, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why have we not? Yeah. Why don't we have that, that technology right now, yeah. yet? <laughs> Let's see. What other ways could you get a message back? Uh, Ouija board. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're gonna, you're just pointing at your Ouija board there. Yeah, that would be my last resort option, using the Ouija board. Seance, right? Then you're you're having somebody go into your body, or the medium is. I don't know. Okay, That's... I'm gonna bring another show up of why I think I don't like seances. In Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, do you remember the episode? Yes, really? didn't we already talk about this? They were going through the Bermuda Triangle. No, 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 no. Okay. Oh, you have another. <laughs> you have another sweet life story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Where they're in like the hotel room. It's like a haunted hotel room, and um, is his name Esteban? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> the bellhop. Okay. Boy, <laughs> he is like doing the seance, and like a woman takes over his body, and it's like this whole thing, but. <laughs> Oh my gosh, am I the only one that watches these things? Now, if you mentioned a seance and Scooby-Doo, then I'd remember that. The whole thing is a seance, basically. <laughs> Did I mention medium? You could go to a median. Median? Me- medium. Medium. Medi- that's what I said, medium. Median. <laughs> you said median. <laughs> you can go to the median out in the street. <laughs> You're like out there, like <laughs> meditating and <laughs> trying to get a message. <laughs> okay, getting light. Oh my a medium. Yeah. Uh, if Teresa could see you. Teresa could see you? <laughs> <laughs> what? If Teresa could see you. <laughs> Teresa, Long Island medium. Yeah, you know, but what do you mean you could see you? Has time to see you. Oh, to- I thought you meant like... <laughs> <laughs> no. I meant like- oh, I see what you're going You're like, like invisible to check. her. <laughs> <laughs> like you're the ghost. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but other than that, I'm not sure if there's any other ways to get a message back. You could get a median meet. <laughs> you, you could get a medium to come up to you, but make sure to not pay $50. Yeah, we're, we're gonna get the message before you pay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So that's it. That's yeah. all I have. Yeah. Not sure if that was worth the trip, but. <laughs> I'll figure out what my uh, message is and block the lock and put it in our collection of creepy items (laughs) with your (laughs) mini Annabelle doll and Ouija board. I would like to say thanks for putting my baby picture on top of Annabelle (laughs) and on top of the Ouija board. Well, you've been saying that you wanted some creepy old photos. (laughs) (laughs) That's not creepy. (laughs) Yeah, says you. (laughs) It is when it's sitting on the lap of Annabelle. Oh my gosh. (laughs) All right, so we good? I think so. Wrap it up, all right. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure to visit next week for more weird and creepy stories. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at 12past3 or email us at podcast at 12past3.com. Good night. Good night. Good night.